Hey y'all, this is Charlie. We are living, loving, laughing, and great. And we are also now in part two of our current podcast series. If you haven't listened to part one yet, I do encourage you to go back and do that because guess what, my friends? The Lord just created such a beautiful moment uh, where we all got to receive communion together. And um, it was just so very powerful. Uh, hallelujah. And we're going to continue um, today speaking about this, uh, an, an incredible revelation of the Holy Communion. I'm going to be honest with you, my friends. Um, wow, the Lord has so blown my mind that I'm having trouble sharing. <laughs> it's like um, many times as revelations, you that the Bible tells us that the Word of God is so rich and it's so powerful that He essentially, He has to kind of like drizzle it on us like the rain because if he releases it all at once right it's just so mighty and so powerful it would crush us and um so sometimes we get those revelations and i know that many of you know what i'm talking about and they're so rich right it's you have trouble putting them into words and it's just amazing it that also makes me think of john 15 where he, where jesus tells us to abide in him stay in him we're not going where he's saying, you're here, you're in me, just stay here, just relax, just chill. Here you are, be with me, <laughs> I'm with you. And he goes on to say, for apart from me, you can do nothing, nothing, no thing. There's not a single thing we can do worth doing apart from Christ, my friends. You know, it is by his grace and his grace alone that we receive revelation in our heart, whether that comes as we're, we're reading the Bible ourselves, as we're at church listening to our pastor preach, as you're listening to this podcast and worship, many times we receive revelation. My friends, we it is by his grace alone that we even receive that. And then, of course, we need his grace to be able to share it. Hallelujah. He's just so good. So what I want to talk about today, Lord, help me put your words in my mouth. Uh, amen because this is just mind-blowing for me, and I've never heard it anywhere else before. So this is like, when I say a fresh, hot revelation, I mean a fresh, hot revelation, and I believe that it's going to take us all. I know it has taken me to an even deeper place of just seeing how through the Holy Communion, we are experiencing the, the greatness and the enormity of Christ's love for us and his faithfulness to us, my friends. It just goes, it goes back so much farther than, than we can really imagine because our human minds are so finite. <laughs> They're so confined to time and he's not. He created time. But I want you, you know, actually, I guess I'll start off by reminding you of something uh, or maybe telling you something you didn't know before. But in Jesus' three to three and a half years of ministry, there were numerous times where the Pharisees tried to stone him to death. Okay, um, and their time, that was actually God's ordained way in the law uh, for, the, for the Jews to carry out capital punishment was stoning. And it sounds brutal, but actually it is a much less painful way to die than one crucifixion to being scourged to death, uh, being hung. And, um, but to be stoned to death, according to God's law, it wasn't just a, a mob picks up a bunch of stones and they all decide, you know, they basically lose their temper and stone someone. They're supposed to have essentially court hearings. You know, much of where our judicial system uh, comes from today, um, everything that's good about it is based on the law of God, my friends. Every civilized country in the, in the world that has a, a civilized judicial system is actually based on the Judean Christian system of law and um, such as you can't be tried for the same crime 
uh, twice. You can't be punished for the same crime twice. There, there needs to be witnesses, you know, uh, and that was part of the thing is that um, there should have been a court hearing, essentially. There should be witnesses that come forth and state what this person does, and then they would decide whether or not they fit to be um, stoned to death. So, but in Jesus's case, of course, we know the Pharisees were often incited by jealousy, uh, mostly by jealousy because of Jesus's incredible ministry. Uh, they were also afraid of the Romans taking their power from them because uh, they would see that they're not uh, able to control the crowds and everything that are following Jesus. So every, unfortunately, everything that they did was all about, about them and what they thought was best. That was a lot of information to tell you this. <laughs> Some of you are like me and you like backstories, right? Because that was a lot of backstory to remind you that on several occasions, the Pharisees tried to stone Jesus and they were never successful. Why? Because Jesus chose the time, the place, the when, the how that he would die. Nobody else. It was always within his control. On one occasion, as they, they tried to push him off of a cliff and I've got to see that cliff, my friends. No one's going over that cliff and living. Okay. And he just walks right through the midst of them. Like they could no longer even see him. Many times they picked up stones to stone him. My friends, just all these ways that they, that they tried to kill him. And like I said, that was the way the Romans still allowed them to carry out their capital form of punishment. So we're going to fast forward to when the Pharisees actually take Jesus into custody. Why didn't they stone him? Why didn't they try to stone him again? I'm going to tell you because it didn't work before. And the devil was just so set on killing Jesus, he didn't really care how it got done. My friends, Jesus, the, the devil, and unfortunately many believers actually don't even know the value, uh, the true value of the cross, and we're gonna talk about that, I hope. He just wanted Jesus dead, okay? And he'd already tried several times through the Pharisees to have Jesus killed, and they weren't getting the job done. So he he plants this thought in them. You have to remember the Romans were, you know, they were a, uh, a, a nation that had come in and taken over the Jewish nation. Okay, the Jews were not in the habit of taking their people and delivering them up to the Romans. The Jews resented the Romans. The Romans, many of them hated being uh, in Israel. It was so far from Rome and all the glory and grandeur and everything they experienced there. They hated the Jewish people. There was a lot of animosity between the two. So you did not see the Jewish people taking their own people to the Romans to be punished. This was a plan of the devil. And this is where we come back to that beautiful scripture that we heard in our last podcast, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things, say all things, all things to work together for good. My friends, whether they're good things, bad things, your own fault things, someone else's fault things, God doesn't cause all things, but he will work all things together for your good. Even this, think of this, the most wicked act of mankind, my friends, and we all had a part to play in that because we are all sinners apart from Christ. It was not truly the physical hands that put Jesus on the cross or that scourged him. It was our sin. And in that we all take a part. But see also that the devil, he thought this was his plan, okay? And, and the Lord took what the devil meant for evil. And turned it into good. So here's the devil. He just wants to kill Jesus. He just wants him dead. Why? Because all the time he has these words in his ears that he heard the Lord speak back in Genesis. That's right, my friends. It all goes back to the beginning. Back in the beginning when the devil 
and dwelled in the snake and convinced Adam and Eve to sin. Remember, God spoke these words over the devil in Genesis 3.15. And he says, and I will put enmity, enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. My friends, another word for this word bruise is crush. So the Lord looked at the snake, looked at the devil and the snake and said, from now on, there's going to be fighting between you and the woman and her seed. This is actually a foretelling of the virgin birth because women don't have seeds. Men do. But the Virgin Mary was implanted with the seed by the Holy Spirit. So there's a prophecy for you about Jesus to come. And that's what he's speaking about. And the devil got it. He understood what God was telling him, that he was going to send his own seed and that that seed was going to crush him on the head. It was going to destroy him. My friends, let me tell you something. The devil heard the physical words and he's a supernatural being, but he himself doesn't even understand what's going on in the supernatural. He thought this was going to be physical children, physical men of God. That's exactly why he instigated uh, the situation with Cain and Abel, where he convinced Cain to kill his brother because Abel was the older one and he thought he was going to be the one to crush his head. He didn't understand that it was going to be God's own son. He thought it was going to be the woman's son. So all throughout mankind's history, so many things that we blame on God were actually the devil working to annihilate the entire human race so that he could be back in control of the earth. And because he thinks that if he does that, then there won't be any seed to crush his head. Let me ask you, would you rather be bruised on the heel or crushed on the head? Of all people I know, right? I've been beaten in the head and I'd rather have a crushed uh, a heel any day, right? So this was this, for, this foreshadowing that the Lord tells the devil of. And so the devil figures out finally, oh, Jesus is the one. And he's thinking still in the natural. He thinks Jesus has come to bring a natural kingdom, Right? And there is there is some place for that and that he's going to naturally destroy him. So his thought is, I've just got to get him killed. And so he instigates the, the Pharisees to to take Jesus and deliver him over to the Romans because they didn't get it right the first few times. And then the Romans, my friends, do you know, for Jesus to be scourged and crucified, the Romans broke their own law. Roman soldiers, my friends, they it. You can read about it in all kinds of history books, how well trained they were, how disciplined they were. You know, they would never fall asleep on watch because the penalty was death. I mean, Roman soldiers were very well trained. That's why they ruled most of the world for a very long time was because of their army. And yet these soldiers, when Pontius Pilate handed Jesus over them to, to them to be scourged, like I said, it was illegal by their own law to be scourged and to be crucified because both of those were capital forms of punishment. And if you read, you will see that Pontius Pilate actually believed Jesus and wanted to let him go. But the Pharisees were crying out for him to be crucified. And Pontius Pilate actually had this thought, you know what? If I have him scourged, it's like he's thinking they'll see him in this terrible state and they'll have some compassion and they'll just let him go. And maybe he lives, maybe he dies because many, many, many people died after a Roman scourging, okay? But these soldiers, they lose absolute control. They, it's like they're unleashing all their animosity against the Jewish nation and all their hate. And we still see that in the world, my friends. There is so much Jew hatred in the world. 
and they're leashing it on Jesus and they almost killed him. That's what the devil was after. He just wanted Jesus dead and didn't care how it happened. In fact, listen to this, my friends. This is what the Bible tells us in Isaiah 52, 14. This is how badly they beat him. For many, the servant of God became an object of horror. Say an object of horror. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came and did nothing but pour out grace and love, miracles, more miracles than can be written. The Bible says the books would fill up the world to the sky of all the healings that he had done. The abundance, everything he did, and they beat him so badly he became an object of horror and many were astonished at him. His face and his whole appearance were marred more than any other man's and his form beyond that of the sons of men. Listen to me, my friends. This is what this is saying. And, and it bear, this is the amplified version. It's borne out in some others. When it says that he was marred beyond the appearance of a man, they beat him so badly you couldn't even tell Jesus was a man anymore. When you looked at his face, you didn't see a face anymore. It says that his form was marred beyond that of, of men because you couldn't look at his body and tell that that was a man. He was tortured. He was brutalized. My friends, they ripped the hair out of his head. They ripped out his beard. They shoved this crown of thorns. My friends, these thorns are like three to six inches thick. They actually beat that into his head. And then they scourged him until every bit of flesh was torn off of his body. It says in another place in the Psalms that he, that it's a prophecy and it says he looked and he could count all of his bones. My friends, a lesser man would have died. Jesus didn't die because he was still fighting out of his love for you and his faithfulness to get to the cross. If he had died right then and there, my friends, his blood is shed, his life is given, we would have received the new covenant. The Bible tells us that it is through the shedding of blood that we received the remission of sins. Our sins are wiped away through his blood. Jesus told us through his blood he would bring us the new covenant of grace. My friends, honestly, just like the sacrifices of old where they came, they didn't beat the lambs and the sheeps and the, and the goats before they sacrificed them. They simply slit their throat the most humane way that they could die. And they would bleed out. Essentially, they would fall asleep because the blood rushes out of the head first. They'd fall asleep, not even know that they'd been killed. Jesus could have died that way. And we would still have the new covenant. We would still have salvation. We would still get to have eternity with our Father in heaven. But you know what we wouldn't have? The devil was just trying to beat Jesus to death. But he took it and he fought to stay alive, to receive every single stripe. And this is why Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely our sicknesses he hath borne. And our pains, he hath carried them. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. 
but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. By his what? By his scourging, we are healed. Listen, my friends, by his stripes, it tells us, we are healed. The devil brought this against Jesus to kill him. And the Lord took it and turned it into our good. By every stripe that fell on Jesus' body, your sickness died. By every lashing that ripped across his body and ripped out his flesh, your cancer died. Your your autoimmune disorders died. Your, Your skin rashes died. Your rheumatoid arthritis died. Your aging died as the life was beaten and beaten and beaten out of his body. That same life was added to your account, my friend. This is why Jesus desired to be scourged. How much he wants us made healthy and whole that he would endure this. Remember, he chose the when, the where, and the how. At any moment, he could have opened his mouth and ended it all. When the soldiers came to the garden to arrest them, he said, whom do you seek? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am. And at the power of him speaking that he is the name of God, they all fell down to the ground. Their weapons, their swords, their, their lanterns, everything, just they fell to the ground and they could not get up until he let them. This is why I say, my friends, He fought for us by allowing himself to be tortured. How many of us could have borne it? How much harder it is when you know all you have to do is open your mouth and say one word and legions of angels will descend on that place, wipe out every soldier and end your pain. He spoke that very word to his disciples He said, don't you know, don't you know that even now there are legions of angels standing by watching, waiting. I believe they were on edge, poised, ready, just hoping that Jesus would give them a word and release them that they could take vengeance for him. And instead, it goes on in Isaiah to say, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has made to light upon him the guilt and iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, yet when he was afflicted, he was submissive and opened not his mouth. That is how he saved us, by keeping his mouth closed and choosing not to save himself. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. My friends, if Jesus refused salvation by not opening his mouth, how do you think we receive it?
open your mouth. The Bible tells us we receive the greatest gift of salvation simply by confessing with our mouth. And what about the rest, this health and wholeness that Jesus allowed himself to suffer, to give to you? Receive it through your mouth by speaking it and by receiving of the Holy Communion. My friends, man fell by eating from the wrong tree. He ate death to himself. We now receive life and health by eating life to ourselves every time we partake of the Holy Communion. I want to go back and read this again to you from Isaiah 53 and the Amplified Version. Listen to what it says. It says, surely he has borne our griefs, our sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses. That's how that word griefs is translated. My friends, in the Hebrew that the Old Testament was originally written in, that word griefs is the word koli, which means diseases and sicknesses. Jesus didn't go through all that suffering ahead of time for nothing. Remember, the sacrifices of old were not beaten. Their fur was not ripped out. They weren't kicked around the place because they could not bring healing and wholeness to our bodies. But Jesus Christ did by bearing our sicknesses, our diseases, and our distresses in his body. It goes on to say that he carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. In the Hebrew, this word sorrows is the word makob, and it means physical pains. Ask your Jewish friends today, my friends. They still use these words today for physical sicknesses, physical diseases, and physical pains. I love that this verse starts off with, surely, surely, You know, I often feel like we don't have to assure ourselves of salvation as much as we have to assure ourselves that God wants us healed. And he knew that we would think that way. And so he puts this word, surely, surely he has borne your pain, sicknesses, diseases, weaknesses, your old aging. Stop letting the world tell you what your body's supposed to become like. And let the word of God tell you what your body's meant to be like. You know, the word of God says that as we grow older, we grow stronger. Well, if I consider that the word of God itself is life and health to my body, and every day I'm spending time in the word of God, I'm getting stronger and healthier. If I consider that every time I come and receive of the communion, I am receiving of the life of God himself, then it does reason out that I would grow stronger. If we live like the world, We'll grow weaker like the world, but the Lord has given us a a choice and he paid a high price for this, my friends. Goes on to say, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him and with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole by the stripes that wounded him we are healed and made whole I want you to say that with me say by the stripes that wounded him we are healed and made whole Jesus chose to allow himself to be tortured my friends so that we can be healed and made whole never question if God wants you healthy 
And you know what, my friends? We are going to have to stop right there. I know it's so difficult. Believe me, it's difficult for me too. And then when I go back and listen to these myself, I'm like, why did I stop right there? <laughs> oh man, but isn't that great, my friends? The Lord just, just keeps us wanting more. Why wouldn't we always want more of him? We do. We do, Jesus. Thank you. Okay, my friends. So uh, please come back uh, for the next uh, episode, which will be the final one in this series. And um, just receive this incredible word that the Lord has for us. All right. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you. My friends, see that he is smiling on you because he is. He is smiling on you and is gracious to you, granting you his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all. Till next time, keep on living, loving, laughing in grace.